Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons bravely and boldly staring down the impendingment, is that a word? No, it's not. The prospect, the assured prospect, the future happening, whatever we mean, of their uh, entertainment irrelevance. It's coming fast, it's coming soon, it's coming hard, baby. I am your co-host, my name is Noah Tarno, talking to you live well, not live. You're listening to this on the recording, but I'm speaking live. Uh, from San Francisco, California. I am from the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And uh, somewhere in the beautiful blue Caribbean, who am I here with? My name is Bill Scurry. I'm the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, and I am in Parts Unknown, as Noah said. Parts parts unknown where all the most interesting pro wrestlers come from. <laughs> That's true. All right. So uh, every episode of this show, we look at something that the youngsters are into, the kids, uh, whether kids means just people 10 or 20 years younger than us or even literal children. Uh, and we try to make sense of it. We sample it. And this one, uh, literally the kids, this was the recommendation of uh, a character I've mentioned on the show before, Mr. Adam Weiland, 15 years old, sophomore student at Berkeley High School here in California, and my nephew. And as he often does, he makes suggestions. And uh, nepotism always wins, Noah. Yes. Nepo- well, you know, he gets a big share of the yes. money we make. Yes. Uh, and, you know, usually Adam suggests, usually Adam says, have you done Fortnite yet? And I have to remind him 30 times that we have. Uh, but this time he actually had a suggestion I had never heard of before. He has recently got into a YouTuber called Mr. Beast. And he showed me a couple of Mr. Beast uh, videos. And I said, all right, this is a good topic. Let me talk to Bill. And here we are doing Mr. Beast. Now, Mr. Beast is the nom de tube of one Jimmy Donaldson, James Jimmy Donaldson. Uh, and I, I got to admit, my intro here is going to be a little weak. Where does this guy live, uh, uh, Bill? A place called Greenville, North Carolina. Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, go Greenies. Um, and uh, basically, he's 20 years, he's, tw- he's 21 years old. And when he was 12, he started a YouTube channel, as many 12 year olds did back in 2012, I guess, 2011, 10, whenever he was 12. Uh, math is not my forte at this time of night. And um, at first, he was just one of many kids doing this. He was doing uh, playthroughs of Minecraft and all sorts of the crap that kids in those days were doing a lot. And he dreamed of, um, you know, becoming a YouTube star. If we watch this interview with him where, man, he does not come off well in that interview. He has nothing to say. He has no way. He's like, so why did you do it? He's like, I just want to be a YouTuber. Why? I thought it would be fun. Why? It was my dream. Why? I mean, the interviewer wasn't much better. Um, And then after a few years, you know, his, his videos weren't going viral. They weren't getting a lot of hits. And after a few years... Did you see the video that broke him? The video that made him, quote, a star? I saw the clip of it, yes. The clip of it. Him counting to 100,000. Sure. That's it. So, you know, hurrah. Mark Twain <laughs> prize, here we go. Um, and then he started doing other videos. And, and basically, now he's very popular. He's had, I think, 2 billion views combined on his thousands of videos. And his metier, Mr. Beast, is uh, stunts stunts 
And he and his little crew of buddies, you know, pasty white guys from Greenville like him, they do things like little competitions. Um, you know, four of these guys are going to stand in a circle. You know, the last one, uh, who's going to be the last one to leave? Or everyone's going to put their hand on this house. Who's going to be the last one to move their hand? Or I got a uh, hundred million Orbeez, you know, those little water-soluble pellet things. They're tiny. And I'm just going to flood my buddy's backyard with them, etc. And he makes videos of these, and they go viral. But the twist with Mr. Beast, this is what I think makes him interesting, is he gives away money. He gives away a lot of money. So, for example, for this, who's going to be the last one to leave the circle? The last one to leave the circle gets $10,000. Then on top of that, he'll say, hey, look at me. I bought $100,000 worth of toys. Let's watch a video of me dressed up like Santa going to children's hospitals and giving them away. Um, we're going to order a pizza, and when the pizza guy comes, we're going to say, hey, if we give you a few thousand dollars, will you help us? move furniture to our friend's new house. Pizza guy says, sure. They finish moving the furniture and they say to the pizza guy, by the way, our friend doesn't exist. We're giving this house to you. Um, so he has been called a viral philanthropist. Um, and in this interview, he talks about how giving stuff away makes him feel good. You know, he gets money from however YouTubers get money from YouTube. I still don't understand that. But also he does a lot of sponsorships. And he claims that, you know, he lives rather frugally so he just basically he gets the money he puts it back into these stunts back into these videos the videos are of an acceptable level but they don't have a ton of bells and whistles so they can't at all be expensive to make and it's just him and his buddies jerking around having fun and they have billions of views so i don't know if that really covers it actually um, it kind of does there's, I, there's really not much more to say yeah so? sure Oh, I'll just talk about some other ones here. He did a free car dealership. He took over a car dealership, and he basically labeled it. This car is $5. So someone comes like, I want to buy a car. Like, this one's $5. Like, you're kidding. I'm like, nope. And give them $5, they got a car. So, you know, basically, people, people who run across this dude while he's making videos are essentially winning the lottery. Plus, you know, he's giving money away to children's hospitals. A lot of very good causes to, you know, veterans' uh, causes, things like that. So... You know, there is some good being done here. Uh, Bill, there's a fair amount to unpack here. He is, you know, that gives it a twist on your standard YouTuber star like uh, Markiplier. Or who was that girl who looked like she was made of plastic and rolled around with squids and stuff? Oh, that? yeah. I can't. Bell Delphine. Bell Delphine. Yeah. Just took me a minute. Uh, so, Bill, what do you think of um, Mr. Beast? Well, it's important to... Uh, separate the it's like somebody just doing something and how the world receives it are two different things um i of really course. you know i really feel like um you know he just set out to make these modest videos in his own house uh using crappy video at the time simple stunts the fact that they became this billion um you know billion view earner uh, and with all this money is how the world receives it. It's not necessarily what he set out to do. He wanted listeners, I no. mean, or viewers, and he wanted subscribers, and he wanted all this stuff. But it's kind of up to us. It's up to everyone else in the world. <laughs> no, to... it's not up to us, Bill. If you buy us, you mean you and me. It's not up well, to us. Well, I mean us in terms of people who actually watch these <laughs> I things. know. I'm just teasing. It's the whole point of this podcast. It ain't up to us anymore, my friend. <laughs> well, that's a, right. We, we could never imagine a world in which um, 
a guy making goofy stunts winds up being one of the most celebrated figures in all of media history, seen by <laughs> more people than Walter Cronkite ever was, you know, in the moon, the moonshot in 1969. And yet here we are oh living God. on this planet where this is what we have. Um, so he is 21, like you say, and he um, is this person who has nothing to say about the world. He's a young guy, but people who are 21 generally don't have a lot to say about the world. Yeah. He... He, he was he was earnest and decided I'm going to do what I like. He has the right, and I would say it's almost implicit that he not be complex because how much how much complexity does a 21 year old have? Especially you know one, what you didn't mention is that he was set to go to college and then dropped out of college. Yeah, he dropped out. Yeah, to be a full time you, YouTuber, baby. Every little boy's dream. Actually, yeah. these days it is. It kind of is. Can right, you imagine like, if? Can you imagine how that would sound to like our grandparents? He well, dropped out of college to be a full-time YouTuber. But that, that like was that Mark, would be like speaking Chinese. That was that was the same story as Markiplier. Markiplier was going to go pre-med, uh, or, or yeah, chemistry, that's right. I that's something right. like that. Chemical. I forget what it was. Yeah, chemical. Like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I would rather do videos, and uh, you know, like that's even more on the line than what the, this kid had. You know, he went to a prep school in country Carolina and decided that nothing could make him as happy as the risk of dropping out of college to do a you know YouTube full time. Now, we're not talking about all the people who did that and did not make something of themselves, of which I believe there are probably hundreds of thousands of people who decided to bail out of life and instead just decide to you know gamble on being a professional YouTuber. But this kid did, and and I. You know, we could sit here and talk all night about whether or not there was some, you know, great um, strategy or, or, you know, how is it that his thing, thin as it may be, was the thing that won out in the end? How is it that he's giving so much money and making so much money and has such a gigantic swath? None of it makes any sense to me. Um, I mean, I'm sure we're, we're going to get into it as, as we change our, um, you know, we change our segments here, but uh, it's it's... I mean, I will always just be befuddled by what YouTube allows you. Just when I think I understand who these people are, um, who the audience is, who the people making decisions on what people see, who the, who's writing the algorithm, um, something new happens and becomes completely inscrutable. And, you know, I, I guess it's a good time to mention the money thing. Like you said, he is giving away a lot of money that other people give him to give away uh sponsorships so you know he does he gets something out of the yield certainly but then like a game show his budget goes to bequeathment you know what people are getting and so he's given there's the stunts look incredibly munificent like he is giving a waitress a ten thousand dollar tip yes yeah he and his friend go in they order waters yeah they each order a glass of water, and then they tip the waitress $10,000. Sure. And, and so. the, the thing you said with the children's hospitals is that they obviously got all these brands to sign on for uh, food yeah. and, 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 you know, gigaws and Xboxes and stuff like that. And they just packed up U-Hauls filled with this stuff. I'm sure it did not come out of his pocket, but it was, you know, it was his budget essentially to spend. So Well, he, and he's using his media capital that counts as something yeah yeah but you you can't somebody driving u-hauls up to children's hospitals in tennessee new york dc uh a few other places it's almost like he becomes a little immune it's teflon like how much can you dig at this guy if that's his impulse that's those are good things yeah so 
So yeah, I'm not. I, yeah, well, but we don't need to dig at him. We could dig at the ecosystem of which he is of. Yes, of which he is of. That's a great sentence, man. It works. The ecosystem of which he is of. <laughs> of which he is of. Well, I, well, so what? I mean, what do you think about it? I mean, what? What? what um, well, you know. Yeah, you're right. There's a few layers here. First of all, I think that interview. So we watched this interview where he just comes off as an idiot and no insight. And the guy interviewing him comes off as an idiot. And I got more to say about that in a minute. Also, he uh, <laughs> he reminded me. Remember we talked about my brother and my brother and me. And I, <clears throat> I just hated those guys. And I said something about those guys. They have this wimpy kind of affect to them that is like – it reminds you of the old 80s stereotype of like a, a wimpy gay guy. But like – it's too wimpy to be gay. Like, you don't, they don't strike me as gay. They just sound like what a little kid when we were kids think is gay. So it's just, he just seems like a total little drip. But I actually think in his videos, he comes off a lot better. So he doesn't strike me as a magnetic personality, but he does strike me as likable. So I give him that. I commend the impulse to give this money away, yes. I think the stunts are reasonably clever entertaining in conception pretty flat in execution yes but that's the issue here and i've talked about this was pretty much in some form every time we talked about some youtuber or whatever or instagram celebrity he is doing for a mass audience the kind of crap you would do with your friends when we were kids he is these stunts these games are basically mediaized version of the stunts games that in our day you just play with your friends but somehow he has not only monetized that he has mediatized it you know what i'm saying yeah i guess like you. when i was in college i got a ton ton of laughs of mileage out of this constant threat to squirt a bottle of mustard down my pants that must have lasted for two years of college i never did it i did finally spray whipped cream down my pants but I got two years of campus infamy out of that. Plus, people still comment about it now, friends from college, right? He has, he has taken that concept, which every smart-ass kid has done since time immemorial in some form, and certainly we're doing it with kids, and he has used it, those stupid concepts. Granted, squirting mustard down your pants isn't, is, is a shade less clever than what he does, I will admit. He has used those concepts to become not only a genuine celebrity, whether we've heard of him or not, but, you know, to make a ton of money. Now, good on him. He's using the money to actually serve a cause better than himself. But, like, man, like, this is just a total reordering of human interaction. And it's what I say about these YouTube people when I when I mock them for being unprofessional. But, like, this is the gimmick. They're, like, they're trying to be like your friends. And that's what people like about them. Mm -hmm. And I find that very sad that instead of jerking around with your friends you're watching some guy in north carolina you've never met jerking around now maybe you're not maybe you're doing both i could tell you my nephew adam does jerk around with his friends as well he loves playing board games live and in person with his buddies so he's not just sitting there on his phone 24 7 you know he is a kid who gets out there and does things he does community theater he he plays tennis so you know there there is real life for him but he's having this experience digitally. And I worry that too many people, that might be all they're doing. And I think that's sad. Should, should I, uh, should I point out the irony, by the way, that everything you're describing to me is yeah. how, how I regarded podcasts at the beginning, which is a false sense of intimacy with somebody you have because they're in your ear. 
and I actually talked to people whose podcasts I listened to for years. And when I met them in person, I said, you know, this is sort of a sick thing is to to say, to presuppose that I know who you are as if we have a one-sided friendship built up. Because yeah. you've been talking to me, but I haven't been talking back to you. But I still feel like, you know, we have this relationship. You know, and people have, you know, they said, yes, that's the danger of doing what we're doing in media. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, look, that, that would... I guess some form of that happened for decades with um, TV talk shows. Yes. But or or radio hosts like DJs, right? Yeah, it worked out um, well for John Hinckley and uh, Jodie Foster. <laughs> yes, it worked out great for them. <laughs> this is why I think people don't give David Letterman enough credit for how influential he is on media, because he fostered this kind of. I mean, I, I used to watch this dude and I couldn't believe he was on NBC. Because he's the kind of thing that nowadays you would would just be some insane podcast. And somehow he was the one guy who slipped in with that craziness. I mean, honestly, I feel like what Letterman was doing was like a public access show that somehow got on NBC. And now everyone's Letterman, you know? So, yeah. I don't know, but that's another story. Um, yeah, I guess there's some irony there, but whatever. Here is the other thing I find that is, I don't know, shocking. But you said before we got on, before we start recording, you're like, oh, this person no one's ever heard of. I'm like, fuck that. No one's ever heard of. Two billion views, right? Um, it, the, the balkanization of culture. A ton of people know this guy intimately. A ton of other people have never heard of him. He doesn't even register on their radar. And watching that interview with him, who's what's the name of the guy who's interviewing him, just to give people context? A uh, pretty famous YouTuber named Casey Neistat, a guy whose work I actually Casey like Neistat. quite a bit. All right. I'm sure you like his work, but A, I thought he was not a good interviewer, and B, he needs to fucking take his sunglasses off. Um, <laughs> just my opinion. Sure. Anyway, the way they were doing their interview, it felt like neither of them had ever seen or heard a celebrity interview before. It felt like it was the first time anyone was considering the question, hey, you're an entertainer. How, uh, how do you get your ideas? Uh, how did you get started? The most cliched questions when interviewing an entertainer, and they were both treating him like there was something he asked. He said, "He, he said, uh, where do your ideas come from?" And 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 Jimmy Donaldson said, "Wow, that's a that's a good question." Like, no, it's a terrible question. It's been asked to every creative person since the beginning of time. Yeah, but someone who's twenty one so, has has not been part of those discussions. That guy has never considered that before. He lives in his head. He's been. He's been a media guy since he was 12. He's yeah, but a huge he, star in a certain he, demographic. But, yeah, he lives in his head. He has no understanding of the world around him. Or Other than or, the fact that he knows they're needy people and he and good on him, he feels a responsibility to give something. If you want to think of it in a way, uh, it's almost like it's outsider art. It's where he is yeah. working inside the system for which he has no literacy. You know, someone was... was can make art without any training, and there's just some sort yeah, of vir but, virtuosity to it. But outsider artists are looking into the system. He's not looking in at all. He he has no awareness. He's not commenting on it. Here's the other thing about the insularity of this. Um, so I kept being reminded watching this. Have you ever heard of the documentary, which was later adapted into a musical called Hands on a Hard Body? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think right. I have. So you know what it's about? Yes. People owning okay. a car or trying no, to get a car. Trying to get a car, yeah. So basically, it's this contest in some town in Texas every year where 10 people or whatever, they all have to stand there with their hands on a pickup truck. 
and the last person to move their hands off the truck wins the truck. And they made a documentary about it and a musical about it. And I kept thinking of that, and a lot of his stunts are like that. Put your hands on the house. Stand here. You know, the last one they give up, they win. And, you know, I, I actually thought, like, is there anyone commenting how this is similar to that? And I Google hands on a hard body, Mr. Beast, and it was just these people seeing references to hands on a hard body and accusing it of ripping off Mr. Beast. So, yes. yeah. I don't know. It's not like hands on a hard body is the most well-known thing. They're like, how has he never heard of that? But I don't know. It's just a lot of these ideas aren't that original. But that gets back to what I'm saying about this is just shit you do jerking around with your friends. Like, yeah. it shouldn't be big money, big business. Also, again, like all the YouTube people, these people are – they're likable, but they're amateurs. They're not – they do not have star power. They do not, quote-unquote, deserve to be stars. What's up, guys? I have 10,000 presents. I have an army of elves, and I have a red hat, which basically means I'm Santa Claus, and I'm going to do everything in my power to help people in need have the best Christmas ever. Why Mr. Beast? Why is he popular? Why did his videos take off? Why did people make a big deal about watching him – he made a video where he said PewDiePie like a hundred thousand times. Why does yes, anyone? Yes, he did. Care? In fact, right? Why does anyone care? <laughs> uh, you know, you're you're sort of like asking why do people like all this stuff that kind of doesn't make any sense, and it's it, it. I I honestly don't know. I don't know what it is that is attractive to people. Why it. The literacy that we've had, the language for media, the language for entertainment has kind of been washed away. If you remember from Joker, um, it was, for the most part, a, a, a direct repackaging of Martin Scorsese movies, almost shot by shot. And in the old days, we used to call that homage. Um, but because Joker was made for 19-year-old college kids, um, they knew outright that people did not see Taxi Driver. People did not watch King of Comedy. So Todd Phillips was able to rip off huge themes and just outright sequences from Martin Scorsese without having to credit him. Because as far as they're concerned, it never existed. It didn't happen. There is no source material because everything's being reinvented moment right. by moment. There's no such thing as legacy. Um, in a way, people are gauding this kid up. And again, people aren't the one paying him for his art. It's huge megalop you know megalo corporations are paying him based on you know his reach to this set of fans who have you know no media literacy whatsoever they they you know i'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing i'm just saying that's no, what it's a it bad is. thing it's a bad thing uh it's probably a bad thing you're right yeah. um so it's it's popular because uh for, for you know the loop in what you said before about you know he has the every man Broy guy next door type quality. He's you know the class clown, not necessarily a strong personality. He he's not really at ease in front of the camera. He seems semi clever enough, but not the funniest clever guy you know. He's I mean, the least... he's the funniest guy in your high school class. He's the that's third funniest guy in your high school class. That's not that's enough to you... be. That shouldn't be enough to be a star. That's what you said about Jimmy Fallon. And yeah, I would. Say yeah, but Jimmy Fallon's Jimmy fucking Fa annoying. Jimmy Fallon has more charisma than this kid. Jimmy Fallon, uh, actually yeah. Well, he's more polished because he play he plays the game. Yeah, but he's on it's, network TV. He's not on YouTube. Yeah. it's a different piece. Yeah, but he, even when he was coming up, it's like he was more desperate, and there was more of a more of a design to what he did. This kid had no design. He just sort of blundered into it. 
again, kind of like an outsider artist, starting as you know, did, did video game playthroughs and then finally just stupid stunts. And uh, you know, it, it got the I got the impression that he never stopped doing the thing that he wanted to do. It's that people came on board with him and blessed it and said, "This is exactly what we want." Now. Again, the question is, why is it popular? I'm not qualified to answer that because I honestly don't know anymore. I mean, we've looked at enough of these guys. We've looked at Markiplier. We've looked at uh, so many other versions of this. And, and, you know, like, why is this popular? Because he's amenable? Because he's collegial? Because he's, you know, brotherly? Because he's non-threatening? I mean, that doesn't explain 2 billion views. That doesn't explain millions of dollars of commerce in, in trade unless, you know, you have something else can you refine this argument for me any better than I don't seem to be able to? Well, it's you know it's getting back to something I said before, and it's the cynical view of it, and it's ignoring the the provisos I gave before about the example of my nephew Adam. But you know, social media and the internet has made us alienated. You know, in a, as in addition to all the other pressures on the world these days, you know, a failed economy, which is my belief, uh, you know, a a planet on the verge of doom, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't have proper social lives anymore. So this has replaced fun, right? This has replaced having fun with your friends. We all need fun and togetherness and belonging and jerking off and jerking around with your friends. We all need some form of that. Everyone does, except for super weirdos. And um, this is that for people who can't get it elsewhere. I mean, maybe they can get it elsewhere and they seek it here because it's easier here. And that's sad, too. You know, maybe there are kids who could all go out and jerk around and do this stuff together, but it's easier to just stay on their couch and watch it on their phone. And mom and dad are encouraging them to stay on their couch because mom and dad buy the hype and think, oh, little Jimmy can't go out because he's going to get kidnapped, even though he's not. Um, So, yeah, like because we've become a culture of shut-ins? I don't know. Maybe that's it. So yes, that's a cynical view. Why is this popular? Because it fulfills a very basic social need, uh, and it just does it in a very easy packaged way. And that's sad, because this is, this is the ersatz form of it. This, this, is, this is to having fun with your friends what tang is to orange juice. This is 50,000 Orbeez. This is 200,000. This is 400,000. How many Orbeez is that? That's a million Orbeez. Yes, that is one million Orbeez. And it's only 1% of our Orbeez. That's a weird flex. But okay. There's a million Orbeez in every box, and we have 100 boxes. No, Tarno, if you were a kid, and I know you're a kid at heart, so is this the kind of thing that you would would like? Do you have, is there any flavor or taste of this for you? Absolutely, I would love this. I love it. Oh man! There First it is. of all, there's a little part of me that likes it now. I mean, I look. I, I like I say, I like the ideas. I like the concepts. I think the concepts are very clever. Like I like this. He assembles all his little jerk off friends. And by the way, here's the funny thing. I keep going. Oh, they all look the same, and they don't. They're somewhat racially diverse. You know, there's the yeah, black guy, oh, yeah, there's totally. the Asian girl, but they're all the same person. <laughs> they're all the even Person- though they're a little racially diverse, wise, yes. they're all the same guy essentially and i don't know maybe that's good you know we're all we're all we're all brotherhood of man no but um he, he assembles them all and he says all right here's ten thousand dollars we have the run of this giant theater or whatever it was and we're gonna play hide and seek you have 20 minutes to hide the last person i find wins the the ten thousand dollars all right that's very clever right it's relatable it's clever it's simple but good 
Um, also, by the way, he says something in the interview I liked. He said he works hard. He said the way I view it is other YouTubers spend half hour on an idea. I'll spend two hours on an idea or 10 hours, he said. I'm like, you know what? I pre it's something I talk about all the time, how pissed off I get about all the art and the work these days that is just, oh, that's a good idea. Pfft, print it. No, spend time. Think about it. Perfect it. And while I don't see that perfection element in his work, I appreciate the effort. Um, so I think I would love it. Because I would think it was very clever. I would think it was very relatable. And, of course, there would be the – I mean, oh, my God, man. Would I become a YouTuber at the age of 12 and dream of being viral and famous? Absolutely. fucking Yes, would. you would Sure have. I would. Now, I wouldn't have succeeded at it, but I would have tried. I would have made my own dumbass videos and been jealous of this guy because I didn't go viral. But, yeah, I'd, I'd aspire to be like him. Hey, you know, if Mr. Beast can do it, I can do it too. So, yeah, I'd love this dude. I mean, look, I – Adam is a way cooler, more together kid than I ever was, and he loves it. So, you know, that should tell you something. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. What about you? Uh, I, I think I have to get my same, the same thing that I gave like Markiplier and, and all the other YouTube channels we've talked about, which is that, well, no, I, I as a kid, I think I required something different of my media figures than I was able to do myself. And I I made jerk arounds too with my buddies. We had a lot of fun doing that. And we had in jokes and, you know, we made fun of comics and Star Trek and whatever else. Even made some movies on a VHS camcorder that were just goofums uh on Long Island in the in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, goofums. Make 'em ups. Is that an established term? No, I'm just it's just, just here it is. It's for you right now, Noah. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. So I, I don't think, though, that that really counts as the kind of thing I wanted to watch. I watched, you know, not great TV and not great movies, but at least it was something that I could not do myself. Um, and I, I didn't have any aspirations about doing it myself. Um, the irony is that I think that it, it takes me being an adult now to look at something that was designed for me as a kid to say, ah, I see how this was meant to play for me if I was at all reachable by it, which... I'm not now, um, but it's like I get the thing he's doing on a different level with all the money. I mean, that really makes this complicated. I mean, yeah. you know, we just, again, we just, we, we were talking about this before we went hot on the mics about how th 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 privatizing philanthropy, I mean, philanthropy is privatizing, but the idea of, of privatizing all largesse, of making a, a spectator sport, a sort of competitive visual compendium of watching somebody decide what to do with money it's corporate money he's giving away some of it's his but a lot of it is just endowment from sponsors right. um you know one of the problems in america is that like well, so, so somebody has some kid has to get on youtube and dance for yeah. two billion views so pampers will donate to people who fucking need or, their or product like Other go what? fund me i'm so sick of this oh yeah. isn't this isn't this sweet uh, all these people gave money on GoFundMe so this two-year-old kid can get a kidney. How about we live in a country where people don't have to beg on the internet so that a two-year-old can get a kidney? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, Precisely. It's not, and it is not heartwarming. It's pathetic. It's, it's not just pathetic. It's it's openly cruel and it's disastrous. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. I mean, terrible. You, you know, I mentioned the name Andrew Carnegie and you had mentioned uh, Theodore Roosevelt in terms of that old school idea where it's, you know, guys who, you know, quite they were captains of industry of this, you know, the Gilded Age. And they would say things like, you know, it's better that I have the money to give away than right. to trust you, 
you know, the unwashed proletariat, that, you know, you're going to piss it away if I give this money to, right. to you. It's better that I have it to decide for bigger, because I'm smarter and I have bigger visions than you do. And, you know, this is not the same thing, obviously, because we're not dealing with captains of industry during the Gilded Age. Um, not yet. I would never... I would, yeah, I would never say that this kid deserved to drown on the Titanic. We're not quite there yet, but um, that was that was Astor, not Carnegie. <laughs> I'm just yeah, but I'm saying it's like a fate that they all deserved. Okay, was to go down with the ship. But it's like this is you know this this kid is uh, he's got the power to you know change somebody's future just by capri- caprice. He you know, he goes to a a, a, a wait you know a, a, a diner somewhere in North Carolina and gives ten thousand dollars, and it's like well that's probably I would say one-third of her annual wages if she worked right. in a restaurant. And, you know, maybe I'm even wrong about that. Maybe it's, maybe it's greater for all I know. Um, you know, we live in a system that's unsustainable where, where people are just, it's dog-eat-dog capitalism. And it's pretty, it's pretty wild that that's, you know, I mean, we've, that we've made a goofy spectator sport out of it. Not that it's happening because, look, I've given to GoFundMes, to had, you know, it's just certain things have moral clarity and you, you got to buy into the GoFundMe thing to make a YouTube channel that has just, you know, the, the point of the YouTube channel has been to give away money to just exercise largesse. It's really strange. All right. Where am I? What just happened? What does this say? From Saul, before you can advance, you must flip every switch and kill all the monsters that come out is the success, the existence, the viewership, the heavy viewership of Mr. Beast, a sign of the impending apocalypse. If younger audiences get fixed into the idea, and I say this with experience because, you know, my, you know, I thought the world was the Muppet Show and Benny Hill for years. I didn't realize that the world (laughs) wasn't because that's the media that I took in. And certainly these kids are older than this, but if they look at this, and don't increase the level of complexity. You know, one of the, the Noah Tarnovian messages is that idea of decoding media images and reading media, which is, you know, every single moment of our lives that becomes more sagacious and more important. Um, it could be it could be apocalyptic if, if there is no resolution for it. If, if uh, you know, people don't understand what they're looking at. If this kind of thing, which is totally normalized, but again, the idea, if we're going to expect that, oh, man, if I'm just in the right cafe at the right time, or if I pick up the phone at the right moment, right. this guy, he could call me and I could somehow be on right. the receiving end of $100,000. That's Maybe that's apocalyptic. It's weird. Well, I mean, but that, already- that's, that's been a problem for a while. I remember being a kid, people going, oh, well, I, I'll win the lottery. You know, I'll just buy 100 lottery yeah. tickets. That'll be my financial plan. Jesus. Man, yeah. You know? <laughs> Anyway, what about so go get into well, your but also why, you, rem- you re- but no, but you remind me of um, another way things have changed is um, kids these days. How do you become a star? Is YouTube or American Idol? You know, I remember when they did a remake of Fame, the movie Fame, ten years ago, it bombed, and I read a good review that said kids these days can't relate to Fame because the the story because to get famous they don't think oh you go to this school and you study and you you hit you hit the streets and go to auditions you make videos at home. You know, we talked about people like yeah. Bo Burnham and Bo Burnham, who we agreed is genuinely very talented, but didn't come up yeah. by doing stand up in clubs. He came up by making videos and you could argue it's just as hard and he earned it just as much maybe, but it's a different path. 
Uh, yes. All right, yeah. I think it's a big sign of the apocalypse, and I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, I, I don't entirely agree with you about the philanthropy thing, but okay, maybe. A, there's that. B, there's um, we're not friends. We're not jerking around with our friends. We're watching, you know, fake friends jerk around on the computer. That's a problem. But here's one, and this ties in with something I've said in so many episodes. That interview, right, where he talks to that guy and – they're having all those constant conversations, those, those those cliche conversations. Where do you get your ideas? How did you get started? Are you surprised it got this big? All these things everyone's asked every creative person ever. Do you want to know one word that never came up? What's that? Art. And whether you like it or not, his stuff is art. All entertainment is art, in my opinion. Yes. This is yes. art. Except maybe sport. Nah, sports is art. Fine. Um, it is art. And I think art, this is an indication of art being doomed if this becomes entertainment because it is entertainment that is predicated on no, well, he does do preparation, but no creative preparation, no training, and no one's going to pay for it. I mean, this is a, a direction that our, our culture has been moving in in a long time. Like, I don't know, maybe people are paying for it because he's getting all these sponsors. So I don't know what I'm talking about, Bill. I had this great idea, <laughs> this great fucking profound thing I was going to say about art, but now I'm like, I don't and know, it, maybe I'm it's wrong. It's unraveling right, right it's in front totally of America's eyes. It's totally unraveling on my head. Man, 2020 <laughs> has been tough so far, hasn't it? But here's a counterpoint about why it may not be the apocalypse. Because we've seen a lot of these jerk-offs messing around with their pasty friends, boring people, bro-y kind of stuff. But you know what? If you're going to be bro if you're going to be this kind of guy, at least he's finding something good and charitable to do about it. He has a positive impulse. He's turning it towards something the world actually needs. And that is a, is a green shoot in the field of modern celebrity weeds, right? You don't see this from Markiplier. You don't see this from Belle Delphine. If one of these idiots, these low-talent, low-effort idiots – actually like uses their fandom and their fame and their supposed star power to do something good for the world, that's a good indication. And maybe the next YouTube star will take a page from his book. That's a good indication. Also, it says to me that people like him, these people who do you and me look like empty-headed morons and jerk-offs, like maybe they're not so bad. You know, Maybe they do care. Maybe they're out there voting and caring in the right way. So that makes me feel a little better about the world. So this is Mr. Beast, uh, Jimmy. Yep. Mr. Beast has one of the biggest channels on all of YouTube. I don't feel like it, but I, I guess, you know, it's kind of just like numbers on a screen. Your last video had 13 million views. The video before that, 14 million, 11 million, 11 million, 15 million, 15 million, 21 million, 14 million, 24 million, 18 million. It's been a while since I looked at this. Wow. I, I don't know how to like, I mean, what do I say to that? You know, like, yeah, we get a lot of views, you know? <laughs> no, is there... The remote possibility that any of your dislike is based in jealousy. Yeah, of course. You know, I wish I had these simple yet clever ideas. I wish I had gotten attention or money for threatening to squirt mustard down my pants. Of course I'm jealous. But instead I just got, you know, people at school thinking I was a funny guy. You know, what well, that and $5 will buy you a cup of coffee nowadays. So there you go. What about you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of this that uh, I, I'm jealous that the bar is so low for this sort of entertainment. Um, 
you know, as much as I'm, I'm just totally bemused or, or quizzical at the, the nature of this, his success, um, you know, I would like to do good works too. I, you know, to tell me that there isn't some part of this that makes him feel good that he's seen as the source of all this largesse and this munificence. Uh, I'm not saying it's, it's um, you know, completely calculated and devious. However, it's got to give him a good self-image um, and, and, you know, make you feel positive. I think that's, that's a pretty good deal. Um, but, but, you know, I can't make the art. I could never make the art, if you want to call it that, that he's making. Why not? So, wait, why, why, wait, wait, wait. Why couldn't you do this? Well, I just, you know, I never don't think that way. I did, did, did not make the, I, I made some goofums and some make ups as, as we coined earlier in the episode. <laughs> you know, but, you know, uh, who we should talk to is, um, a listener of ours and you met him, Adam Starling, an old friend of mine. He would do some crazy videos when he was in high school. He's got this legendary video where he and his buddy rented a Chewbacca costume and they made a fake Bigfoot video of him walking around in a Chewbacca costume. And then things got really weird. He started like running across a bocce court while like a bunch of old guys were playing bocce ball and videotaping that. Like, man, he'd be my favorite YouTuber if uh, he should start. He's too old for that. We're all too old for that. We're all going to die. So, all right, then the final segment then, Noah, is where, since we already brought up Jimmy Fallon's name, where does this fall on the Fallonian scale if you had to make an assessment? Okay, so somewhere in the like the bottom quarter of everything we looked at are all the YouTubers and Instagrammers and these newfangled people who all blend together in our mind. We've mentioned Markiplier and uh, Belle Delphine. Um, I guess my brother, my brother, and me might be in there, even though they're podcasters, but... They're celebrities on that level. Uh, who are some of those other people we've talked about? Some of those like, um, I, arguably talentless people we've looked at. We never did PewDiePie, no. and we never did, what's his name, uh, Logan Paul. We've referenced yeah. them, but we've never done them. Yes. Uh, anyway, yes. So, so I'm sure there's a couple people forgetting. So they're all hovering somewhere in that like lower quadrant. I'm going to say that Mr. Beast is at the very top of that cloud of YouTubers, right? He is the best yes. of these people, but no better. What do you say? Hmm. Yeah, I would I would put him with Markiplier. You know, this is He's something better which... than Markiplier. Not only is he the the charity thing, but his his videos are Mark Markiplier's just screaming while playing video games. Who cares? I saw the cartoon that Markiplier did where he was a voice actor and there was a, he was moving into narrative content, which for me, that's the difference is that if you're going to get into narrative content rather than just showboating stunts, and uh, that was a movement to something more uh, substantive. Which, well, good you know, for I, him. Maybe, G- give me a narrative that's entertaining and maybe we could talk. Right. Maybe it'll happen someday. All right. Well... I believe that brings us to the end of an episode. Uh, if everyone would like to find past episodes, uh, you know, for instance, all the other YouTubers that we've taken knives out on, for instance, yes, uh, you can I'm go sure, back. And I'm sure they're very excited to, to hear more about us. You can find those episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us, Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I am personally on Twitter at William Scurry, and I am on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And Noah, where are you at? Oh, big quiz thing, big quiz thing.com, at big quiz thing, various places, corporate and private trivia events, coast to coast, nationwide, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, that's all I need to say. All right. <laughs> so uh, until that time when um, Mr. Beast devises a stunt where he 
offers $10,000 for anyone who will listen to our ASMR episode. 24 hours in a loop. We don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.